Right, we're speaking tonight, Revelations chapter 19. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord God, that your presence is in this place. And we welcome you, Father. And it's an awesome opportunity to have an all-nation celebration with every aspect of church life involved, Father God. Those who are with us and those who are even not with us, Lord. Thank you for the nations that you've given us, Father God. And we thank you for every person who's here tonight, Lord God. They're special to you. So, Father God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. We, we just think about what's happening in the nations of the world right now. We think about the shaking that's happening, Father. The concern that's happening, Father God. And we remember those who are persecuted, Father God, who are not with us tonight, who are struggling in faith, who are challenged, who are in prison for their faith. And we ask you, Father God, that you'll send forth your rescue plan, whether short term or long term. Stretch out your mighty hand to save. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's give a hand for all those who've been involved tonight, all, all the different people, the Brazilians, the Filipinos, the Angolans, Italians, everybody, and those who have mentioned, those who haven't mentioned. I want to ask you a question tonight, because God is the God who opens doors. I don't know if you believe in God to open new doors in your life tonight, but God can open doors that no man can open. And I believe that now there's going to be an outpouring a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that means there's going to be new doors of opportunity for you. But what would be the point in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit without opportunities for evangelism, without opportunities for miracles, without opportunities for new opportunities, new work, new nations to go to, new things to do, because God anoints us with power for a reason. Amen. And so we're going to receive something from the Lord. We must get ready to go where God is going to send us. Amen. And uh, that's dangerous talk tonight for some people, amen? I don't want to go back home. I want to stay here. But hallelujah, you've got to go where God sends you. You've got to be open to God. And there's something amazing about meeting people from different nations. Since I came to KT, I've had the privilege of speaking to different nations. Uh, my first mission was in Paris with the Paris church. And it wasn't like a white bunch of Parisians. It was a multicultural church full of Africans and Caribbeans and same as KT. And then we have the Italians and uh, same thing as well. Lots of different people from different nations. And going right through to Africa, where my first mission was in Benin, the French-speaking nation of Benin, and encountering that, and having the opportunity to go to different nations. I think I've been to 30 different nations since I've been here in KT. And there's something fun, amen? There's something fun about meeting people who eat different food to you other than fish and chips. Uh, I remember the guy in Mali, when we were in Mali, he said, you just got to eat the food. And I'm like, I don't want to eat the food. Well, just wash your hands and eat the food. I was thinking, where's the food come from? And the food they cooked actually in the ground, and it, it was actually quite clean. But I didn't really believe that, so I washed my hands quickly, prayed in the name of Jesus, and swallowed the food as fast as I could. That was called cross-cultural evangelism. But there's something exciting about being in the middle of nowhere, in the darkness, as if it were. And I remember being in the darkness, three hours from the city of Bamako, and... As I went to the village, I remember encountering, it wasn't encountering God, I encountered the Champions League. Champions League, Manchester United, I think, versus uh, a German team. And I thought, it's amazing. I'm, I'm evangelizing. I'm going to tell people who've never heard of Jesus, but they've heard of the Champions League. Right there, in the middle of the bush. But it's exciting. You're on the road. It's a, there's a new adventure. And I, and I live for adventure. I live for excitement. Otherwise, life is just boring. Anybody bored tonight? Bored. You know, I remember my mother asking me a question. Do you want to go to church? And I said, no. 
I was age 13. You know what my main reason was? Because church is boring. Church is just boring. I mean, I used to watch the clock going at the back. Thank God there's no clock there right now. In fact, I used to count the letters on the back of the, and I would count them many times until the time went by till we'd finished. That's how bored I was with church. And church was not real to me. You know, we can speak of Jesus. We can even lift our hands and pretend like we know Jesus. But unless something radical changes in the heart, in fact, I had a very good cross-culturally uh, experience of church. In fact, I visited the Methodist church and my mom moved out of the Methodist church and I moved to the Pentecostal church and my mom moved out of the Pentecostal church and I moved to an Assemblies of God church and that's another Pentecostal church for those who don't understand uh, religious stuff. Uh, Assemblies of God and then I went out to the Anglican church where they do candles and it was all quiet. We, we experienced all types of churches. And at age 13, I remember making a decision and that decision was not to go to church because church was just ritualistic. A bunch of people who would worship on the outside, but nothing would change in the heart. When you look at the gospel, you see people who met Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, a couple of things happen. Miracles happen. Forgiveness happens. Grace happens. It's like your life is turned around. Something happens on the inside. Why do you think that people wanted to meet Jesus? Because Jesus was doing things that nobody else had done. And when I'd been to these nations in the world and had the privilege of preaching in these nations, it's like you, you dare to believe God, that God is the God of the Bible. He's the same God in the Bible and He's the same God today. And so you go out and you preach in faith. And I remember preaching my first message. I remember Colin would do this in Bible school and he would preach on healing and he would go for it. And he would tell the story how he was preaching, I think in Kenya, and he would command the demons to come out. He would command healing to happen in the name of Jesus. So when I was out in Mali, what did I do? I didn't know what I was doing. So I just did the same. I was there on the platform. And I said, demons come out. Blind eyes open. Deaf ears open. I just went for it. Why? Because that's adventurous, hallelujah. That's adventurous, that's believing God. Now, did blind eyes open? Yes. Did deaf ears open? Yes. I remember a man who was blind in one eye, just standing there, very tall man. He was blind in one eye. He came up on the platform and straight away, bang, his eye was open. I mean, I believed God. I went for it, but I couldn't really believe that his eye was open. I was like, my God, it's you. It's the same guy. It's you. And because we're still learning. But life is an adventure. You just got to go for it. And, and when you're talking about new doors of opportunity, sometimes you got to push those doors. Amen. You got to push those doors in prayer. If God's moving and you push those doors, maybe right now some doors have been closed for you and God's not been opening opportunities for you. But now God's moving in a different way, in a new way. Maybe you push those doors and those doors will fly open. Who knows? You just simply believe God. I wonder tonight if you have experienced the door of heaven, if God has opened up the door of heaven in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 1, it talks about a multitude of people who are worshipping God. Now if it's a benefit to us today to explain the reason why that we are celebrating people from different cultures, it will be this one reason that people from different cultures have come together in one name and that is the name of Jesus. We're not here just to celebrate culture. We're here to celebrate Jesus. And the unity of the church is expressed in different cultures. And in fact, people out there are trying to find the answer to community issues and community problems. But the answer is here in the church. The answer is here in the name of Jesus. How can we unite together in one accord? We can unite because Christ has changed us. 
and we won't allow our differences to come in front of Christ, we'll unite because of those reasons. And here in verse 1, he says, After these things I heard a loud voice, a great multitude in heaven, saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous is his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged her with the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises forever and ever. And the 24 elders and four living creatures fell down and worshiped God and sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants of those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and a sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God is all powerful. He is all powerful and he reigns. You've got a great multitude of people there in heaven, worshiping God, shouting Hallelujah, going for it. Elders bowing down and servants of those who fear him, both small and great. I want to tell you tonight that all of us will be on the same level when we get to heaven. That level will be the level of worship and praising God. We'll be side by side saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Now I want to ask you, have you actually stepped in to heaven tonight? Have you actually stepped in to a relationship with God tonight? Is your relationship with God real or is it religious? It's easy for us to go through the motions tonight. It's easy just to go get into the, the all nations, hallelujah, it's all great on the outside. But something has got to happen in the heart. I remember having a dream about two days ago and uh, a man had come to my door and he was knocking on the door. Uh, I remember... In my, in my heart thinking, oh man, I'm expecting someone to visit me. And then suddenly he's knocking on the door and then he's at the door and he, he's waving his hand like this. And I'm thinking, who's that? Who's that? And I'm getting excited. And then suddenly I can't even find the keys to open the door. And I'm searching the house. I can't find the keys to open the door. And as I, then I just woke up out of my dream. And I thought to myself, you know what? That could be God knocking at my door. That could be God telling me something. That could be God saying, hey, where, where are the keys? Where, where are the keys? Have you lost the keys? I remember being in an Elam conference and um, when we had our polo, our red polo that was just about to go to the scrapyard. It was on its way out uh, and we were in the Elam conference and we had some fish and chips. And as we went into the conference, we put the fish and chips in the bin and then we walked into the conference. And then at the end of the conference, I turned around trying to find my keys. And I asked my wife, I said, where are the keys? She said, you had them. I said, I didn't have them, you had them. No, I had them. No, you had them. I'm sure you had them. So I blamed her. It turned out that I actually had them. When I put the fish and chips in the bin, the keys went with them. There was no way. We were in Telford. We were not getting back. The car was going to stay there. What were we going to do? I said, listen, we've got to find those keys. So we went to the, the person who was there, who was overseeing all the bins. Uh, and it wasn't Charles, by the way, at the back there. But, it, you know, someone overseeing the bins. Listen, listen, we need to get into the bins. And uh, Torian gave me a funny look. No, we don't. Uh, and I said, no, you do. We've got to get into those bins. We've got to find those keys. And, and she, I said, where are the bins? She said, all the bins are being packed up and they're right there in the back, in the big cases. So about maybe 20 or 30 bin bags in those these big troughs outside. And I said, listen, we've got to find those keys. So we went through every single one of those bin bags. The first trough of about 20 bin bags. I didn't have any gloves, by the way. I just went through those bin bags. 
And then we went through the next set, the next trough. And I said, listen, you must have a third trough. You must have a third one. And they said, well, yeah, we'll bring that in. So we brought in halfway through, halfway through, toying. She had gloves at this point. Stuck a hand in a bin bag and there were the keys. We found them after 30, 40, 50 bin bags going through. Now God is saying to you, do you have the key? Do you have the key to heaven? If you had the key to heaven, you would, you would move into heaven straight away. If you had the key to a relationship with God, you would have a relationship with God right now. And Jesus said in John's gospel, chapter 10, he said these words, and Jesus said again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life in abundance. I want to just replace those words tonight and say a life of adventure, a life of new doors, a life where you're living on the edge, a life of purpose. I was talking to a lady on the plane to Spain last week and when I went to visit my dad and she is from France. She's a geologist into geography. I don't know if that means it makes her a geologist, but into geography, she's studying. She's a rock climber. So they were going off to Spain to rock climb. And I was speaking to her and I was treading carefully because I didn't want to ask her, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Anyway, as the conversation went by, it turns out she went to Catholic school and she experienced the mass, but she never participated because her family are atheists. So I started giving examples from what Colin has been given recently about the Big Bang Theory and different things. And it was interesting, we got into the topic of conversation about purpose, uh, meaning in life, as as opposed to no meaning. So if the Big Bang happened, uh, and we're all a bunch of cells, uh, and we're just part of evolution, and a theory, uh, and it's progressive, and the universe is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, then what's our real purpose? What's our real purpose? If nobody created us, nobody had the blueprint for our life, nobody knows us by name, nobody cares about us, we're just like the animals, then we're, we don't have purpose. And as I said to her, I said, listen, I believe in God. The Big Bang could have happened, creation could have happened, because God said, let there be light. Yes, there was a rush of stuff that happened, but God created the world and He created your life and he created my life, and he created my life with purpose. I said to her, whether you believe in God or not is irrelevant, but how about believing in purpose? Because the moment that you have to believe in divine providence and purpose and a reason for being here, you have to lean on the side that God exists. You have to lean on the side that a supreme exists. Otherwise, well, there's no reason for living. Jesus came into this world. He was a miracle worker. He did signs and wonders. People gravitated towards him. And he said these words. Most assuredly, I said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will go in and out and find satisfaction. Jesus is the door to heaven. Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus said in John, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. How are you going to find the root? Through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I am. And in that, he said the divine name, which is Yahweh, claiming to be God. I am the only way. People out there say today, don't they? All roads lead to God. All roads lead to heaven. Well, Jesus said it this way. Wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to everlasting life. See, unless you've experienced God for yourself, Unless your heart has been changed, 
Unless you've come to the cross for yourself, you simply cannot be saved. You cannot be saved. You need to make an active decision and an active choice. If you go back to Revelation 19, you'll see the servants bow down. I was teaching at the 2.30 service about this. The two words for servants in the Bible. A few of the... A few other examples, but the main words are diagonos and doulos. Now the word servant in Revelation 19 is the word doulos. There's another word, diagonos, that's the example that Jesus gives to James and John when they want to be the greatest. And they say, we want to sit on your right hand. We want to sit on your left hand. And Jesus said, if you're going to be great, you have to become a servant. He uses the word diakonos, which means minister or deacon or hired servant or paid servant. Put it that way. Now, if you're a servant, it's pretty low, but at least you're paid. <laughs> but doulos it doesn't guarantee you're going to be paid. In fact, it means you're owned by your master. After a period of time in the book of Leviticus, if a servant wanted to be with the master, he had to go to the door. He had to go to the door and get his ear pierced in the door, get an awl through his ear and say, I'm going to commit my life to my master. And in the same way, those servants who are in heaven have made an active choice to follow Jesus Christ for themselves. Now, my mother, she was religious, but I had to make an active choice to serve Jesus for myself. See, we've all seen those slaves uh, from the Libya TV on CNN. I was watching a Nigerian guy who was coming to Europe. All his friends went to Europe, but he's, he got kidnapped, his money taken. And now he's up there on CNN giving an example of being sold into slavery. And at one point in the interview, he cries. There's a knee jerk because of the pain that he's suffering. See, that's what sin does to you. Sin is a bad master. Sin is the one that oppresses. And slavery in the natural oppresses. But you know what? God, when he uses the term servant, because God is such a loving master. God is love. God is caring. God is a God of purpose. God is a Father that embraces you. In fact, God provides for you. God is a good God. And when you suddenly taste of God, and you taste and you say God is good, then your natural reaction is to say, you know what, God? I want to serve you. I want to be owned by you. I want to be a servant of you. Because when we get to heaven, we're all going to be on the same level. And that level is service to God. I want to ask you today, is God knocking at your door? In Revelation 3 verse 20, it says, Behold, I knock at the door. I knock at the door. Our, one of our favorite stories when we're taking the kids to bed is the, is the story of Samuel. And Anna Joy, she loves this story so much that I think for the last three or four months, that's the only story she wants to do before bedtime. And she'll say, you know what, I'll be Samuel. I say, will you be Anna Joy? No, I'm Samuel. No, you're Anna Joy. Be Anna Joy. We'll do the story. No, I'll be Samuel. And so I say the story. And if you don't know the story, I'll tell you tonight. Eli and Samuel are staying in the same place. Samuel's sleeping somewhere. Eli's sleeping somewhere. God speaks to Samuel and he doesn't know the voice of God. But God is calling him. And he rushes off to, to Eli, who's the priest. And he says, hey, you called me. He says, no, I didn't call you. Go to sleep. Now, I'm telling you, that happens in our house quite a number of occasions, and it's not the Lord. Anna Joy will get up three or four times in the morning. Judah will get in, wake up. He'll say, Anna Joy's keep me awake. And you just say, oh God, just go back to bed, please. So you can imagine Eli just say, hey, I'm trying to get some sleep here. Go back to sleep. 
And then he comes again. Samuel says, hey, I've heard, I've heard a voice. You called me again. He says, no, I didn't call you. Third time he comes. So now you can imagine the third time. Eli is very, very frustrated at this point. He's like, you better just go to bed, man. I am tired. Go to bed. And he's frustrated. But suddenly the light switches on. He says, you know what? Maybe, maybe God is calling him. And he says to Samuel, listen, go back to sleep. The next time he calls you, say, here am I. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. See, God is calling you. He's calling me to do something great for him. He wants to put us back on the path of destiny. He wants to put us back on the divine blueprint. And I believe there is a permissive will of God. God will permit you to do certain things. You know, it's your choice. You have a choice. You're not a robot. But there's a divine blueprint. That means to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. Because you've decided to be God's servant, to be owned by God, to give your life completely to God, and to be completely sold out for God, without compromise. And you have to make that decision on a daily basis. It's not something that just comes your way. That's why we pray the prayer, your will be done. Your kingdom come. To be a servant means to put your will on the cross. And to say, God, I put my will on the cross. And I say, not my will, but your will be done. That's what it means to follow God. That's what it means to give your life to the Lord. You can't give your life to the Lord just 90% or 95%. Keep a bit for yourself. You have to give your life to God 100%. It's 100% repentance. It's 100% forgiveness. And as you give your life to God, He gives you more than you give Him. Because He's a God of grace and He's a God of forgiveness. And how does it happen? At the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It happens at the tomb. The tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away. In fact, you could say the door is open. Why? Because Christ rose again on the third day. And as that tomb is open, it means that you and I have access into heaven right now. See, a door is a passageway. It represents an opportunity to move from one environment to another environment as a metaphor. A door can be used to signify an opportunity. The door of the kingdom of heaven is said to denote the conditions which must be applied in order to receive the kingdom of God. And what are the conditions? Well, number one, you have to receive God. You have to admit that you need God. You have to admit that you need Him in your life, that you've walked the wrong way. And two, you need to believe in Him. You need to believe that Christ died. See, you have to cross from one environment to another environment. That means you need to walk through the porthole. You need to walk through the door. You have to make an active decision. Where you say, well, someone else can make the decision for me. No, no one else can make the decision for you. You have to make the decision for yourself. You're not born a Christian. You might be born into a Christian family, but you're not born a Christian. You have to make a decision for yourself. See, religion passes on religion and passes on religion and passes on uniform after uniform. And if we were just into uniform, well, that would call us a very bunch of religious people. But God is not just into uniform, He's into heart transformation. And you have to come before God for yourself and say, God, I need you. I admit that I need you. Because God is knocking at your door today. He's knocking at your door and he's saying, will you open up your heart? Will you open up your heart and let me in? Tori was sharing this morning in the Luton church, she said this word, that you'll hear a voice 
saying, this is the way you should go. Walk in it. See, God is speaking. God is tugging at you. God is speaking to you on a daily basis. That feeling that says, hey, come and follow me. Hey, speak to me. Speak to somebody about Jesus. Hey, pray for somebody. Hey, go the other opposite direction. God is speaking on a regular basis. But are you listening? Many people are tuned out to human beings, let alone God. I don't know how many of you get the train in to KT or the train to work, but I get the train in from Watford and 90% of people have their headphones on, their phones on. Now, whether they're doing their emails or listening to ungodly music or even they listen to godly music, we don't know, but they're just totally zoned out. You can't even speak to them. Yet God is trying to speak to them. You're trying to speak to them, but they're like zoned out completely. George Whitfield, who was a preacher in the 1700s, said it like this. The church is asleep. Nothing but a loud voice is going to awaken it. Not just my voice, hallelujah. But a loud voice, the voice of God, it has to awaken the church. And it's not just awakening externally, but it's awakening something internally. Are you awake on the inside? Do you feel God's voice on the inside calling you to do something great for Him? Now you can't do what Colin's doing. You can't do what Bruce is doing. God has not called you to do what Colin's doing or what Bruce is doing. God has called you to do what you're called to do, what you should be doing. Now that could be great, that could be small. But if we all take responsibility to serve God, then we will fulfill our destiny as a church together. God is the God who anoints people to open doors. In Isaiah 45, God anoints Cyrus. And he doesn't just open one door, but he opens double doors, like ancient doors, doors that have been closed for a long time. And God can awaken a Cyrus for you even this week, even this month. He can awaken something new for you because he's the God who opens doors because he is the door. <laughs> doors are opened by prayer. When we pray, God opens a door. And Paul said these words, he says, pray for me that an effective door would open for me. Why did he say that? Because the door was closed. Because the door was closed. It was difficult. Many times Paul was in prison. It was difficult. The door was not open. But he said, pray for me, that an effective door would open. People are close to the gospel. People are closed with their headphones on. They're on the internet. They're completely closed. And they need a bolt of lightning from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. They need a bolt of lightning. And that lightning is you. That lightning is you. Yes, even on Monday morning. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. That God would revive you. That God would use you to awaken somebody and open up their heart and have a conversation with them about the gospel. Doors. Jesus said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will find life.